do men in Afghanistan like the face, the breasts, or the butt? Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. One of the Lotus Eaters podcast hosts has a YouTube video uh, where he visits Afghanistan. And I like travel videos, and it also makes me think of Gamergate. I figured I might try and explain that. It's not easy to explain. And so Gamergate, I don't think it was really that big of a deal at the time or whatever, but like woke media outlets, if they want to criticize someone, you know, there's a, few, there's a few things you can do. You can just, you can say about someone where you don't have to show any proof and just, you know, and then your audience, if they, you know, believe the horseshit that you've been feeding them, it's just like, oh, I see that person's evil. You know, so you, you call someone far right, for instance. You don't say, this guy's far right because he wants to kill black people. You just say, this person's far right. And then, and then you know, your readership or whatever, viewership, is like, oh, he's far right. I understand. I should hate him. Done. You don't have to point to any specific examples of racism or sexism, etc. I already, I already hate him. You know, you, you had me at hello. Similar to how do you call... You know, countries will call people terrorists. They're like, oh, that's a terrorist group. And it's not like, oh, you mean we invaded their country and they're fighting back? You know, if you said that, like, that's a group where we invaded their country and they're fighting back, then people are like, huh, that's kind of complicated. I don't know who's right and wrong. What you do is you say, that's a terrorist group. And they're like, oh, well, I don't need to hear any more about who invaded who. I get you. Terrorist group. And so Gamergate is a phrase that, whatever, for... Certain certain media outlets and I guess certain readers, if they ever heard of it, it's not it's not as famous as terrorism. Um, then you just know, oh, okay, Gamergate. That guy's part of Gamergate, or he's like Gamergate, deserving of hatred. Gotcha, done. So first off, I think even if you understand it, it's hard to explain. And second off, I don't understand it that well. But it was I think it maybe started about ten years, roughly ten years ago, and it was kind of about female gamer journalists, you know, like reviewers, you know, women who review video games. Um some stuff was found out where they just they weren't they weren't on the up and up. Like one of the female journalist game reviewers was having sex with I think the CEO of some gaming company and then she was giving good reviews to all the video games that came out of that company. And so I think Troglodytic White men in their basements with beards playing video games started to criticize her and like all her her reviews. And then that brought in, you know, a gender thing where it's like, oh, all the gamers are racist against women. And that's the only reason they would criticize. It's the only reason they would ever criticize a female journalist. And so that kind of started a big fight. Where the gamers would like go look into all the female journalists, and it would be easy to find, you know, a video. Some some woman who's reviewing video games, it'd be easy to go find a video of her from six months before she got her job, where she's like saying, "I never played a video game in my life." And basically, it's because the, uh, they're, you know, they're they're just below mainstream media. They're mainstream media, less famous mainstream media outlets. They were looking for women and. You know, women gamers, like a good woman gamer, is hard to find. So they were just having to take people that... They're having to take women who didn't know shit about gaming. 
And so it kind of became a battle between the gamers and then the woke gaming journalism outlets and their hiring of women. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think there's any problem with race. Like, you know, can you find black men who play video games? The answer is, fuck yeah, you can. So that's not an issue. But the issue was, can you find a woman who really loves, I mean, I don't know, Grand Theft Auto or something? The answer was they, could, they couldn't find one. So they just, and then and they'd have them say stuff like, I love Grand Theft Auto. And then the gamers would look at their previous videos or whatever social media posts where they're like, I never heard of you. I never even heard of that game. All right. I don't want to reiterate. Anyway, you get the idea. I guess the reason why I don't understand this stuff that well is that all this stuff happened like 10 years ago. It's before my, it's before my anti-woke time. I was still woke back then. And so later on, I became aware of, I think he's, he's kind of the king of ga- Gamergate. Uh, his online handle was um, Sargon of Akkad, which I think is a Middle East king from 5,000 years ago or something. But he was an atheist YouTuber, and so that's kind of how I was aware of him. I used to watch atheism videos. But apparently he was also a gamer, and then there was this woman named Anita Sarkeesian. She's pretty hot, too. And so Anita Sarkeesian kind of created a what, a job for herself, where she would review video games, and she'd be like, hey, look, the the women in this video game are wearing a bikini top. That's racist against women. And I think she did a lot of that, and she was an online presence for a long time, so she also had tons of videos of her saying, I don't know a single thing about video games. And then at some point, she's like, I'm a video game expert, and wearing a bikini is proof that, you know, misogyny exists and America is racist. And I think her and Sargon of, well, Sargon of Akkad started attacking her online, on Twitter probably, saying, you never even played this game. How can you say this about a game that you never played? And then she's like, that's racist. And I think he did get kicked off of Twitter. He got kicked off of everything, pretty much. Although he's kind of back now. But I guess there, there was one incident that's it's kind of crazy because... Like, this stuff never, it never um, happens in real life. But she was giving a speech at some sort of, I don't know, video game conference, or maybe feminism and video game conference. I think it was just video games in general. Anyways, and he bought a ticket, and he went and sat in the front row. And she was like, I don't feel safe. You know, and he, you know he, I mean, he knew what he was doing. He went and sat in the front row. And was completely silent, just like he was a normal audience person, you know. So that when she freaked the fuck out, he's like, look, I was just sitting there. And he was. And so this part I'm not sure about, but I think basically because he was sitting in the audience and she was giving the speech, it became a thing on the internet. And both of them became, you know, internet famous. Famous enough to start making a bunch of money. And just she started some sort of website where you could donate and then it's like you know donate to me and i'm gonna investigate every bikini on video games and call them all racist and i think she started making like you know over 100 grand a year and i think she's still do- i think she's still doing it and i don't know i don't know if i should criticize her on this but it, or whatever but the answer is she didn't make the video she's like i'm gonna make a video after a video i'm gonna make 
study after study to prove that video gaming is racist against women. And the answer is she didn't make that stuff. But she still gets probably six figures. Which, I mean, good on her. I wish. I wish I had her situation. I could not make videos about racism against women in video games and get $100,000 a year sent to me by randos on the internet. That'd be perfect. And then Sargon of Akkad had a kind of a similar situation. There was a time where you just... No one was making money on YouTube. So all of this kind of happened about the time that YouTubers were getting famous. Like, I don't know the year. Maybe 20... Boy, it might be 2016. Why did everything happen? have to happen in 2016? That was when Hillary Clinton said the election was stolen. But Sargon of Akkad, he kept going. He actually produced content. Tons and tons and just, you know, more content than, than anyone wanted to watch. But he produced tons of content. And then he was getting his money from, there was a new company at the time, it was called Patreon. Like this is, you know, big tech, you know, just like Google. I mean, they're much smaller, but just like Google and Facebook, there's a, a company called Patreon. And on Patreon, if you've never used it, I mean, I don't give money to anyone. But the way it works is you create, you know, there's a user who creates an account on Patreon. And then there's supporters or subscribers who create an account and then the subscribers give a monthly amount of money to the, the content provider. And so Sargon was on Patreon. I think Patreon people, this is interesting. I mean, if you never heard of it, it doesn't matter. But it, I think it's kind of interesting. I would say the average Patreon member gives $4 to the person that they like. So if you can get 1,000 subscribers, then that means you're getting $4,000 a month. And I think that's about where Sargon was. So, you know, he's making, you know, now he's making 50 grand, 60 grand a year, which is enough to quit your day job. And so when Patreon's, Patreon started, it's kind of like, like, you know, the, the way that Facebook started was it was a way for college boys to get into the pants of college girls. And so not every big tech company has like a super glamorous or moral start to their story. But once you get big enough and rich enough, you're like, you know what? We don't want that part anymore. And so that's what Patreon did. I think originally it was like, I want to look at naked women. That was, you know, and then Patreon was like, you know what? We're, we're big enough now. We don't need the naked women. And they also said, we don't need the controversial political commentators. And so just for whatever reason, the first person, the first person to get kicked off of Patreon for political reasons was Sargon of Akkad. And someone created, I think it might have been Russians, but anyway, someone created an alternative to pay, Patreon called Subscribestar. It doesn't matter, but anyways, Sargon went over to that, and I think he's making, you know, he's making somewhere between 60 and 100 grand a year on that. And I think Arnita, Anita Sarkeesian is still making 100 grand, even though she doesn't produce any content. Okay, that's kind of interesting. Like, I'm criticizing her for not making content and Sargon, for years, for many years, he produced an enormous amount of content. But we're about to come full circle, which is, he doesn't produce much anymore. I mean, what's the ideal situation as a YouTuber? Or, I don't know, what's a good situation? It's like, you're a YouTuber. Making YouTube, I've done it. Making YouTube videos is not easy. You know, it's like, it's not as bad as digging a ditch, but it's hard. It takes so long, and you'd rather be doing something else. A.K.A. It's work. It's like having a job. And so what's the ideal situation for that? Is you build up a large enough audience, 
that you're now making, you know, a hundred grand a year coming in and you don't have to do anything anymore. You just, you know, you just kind of coast on your fame. And so Anita, she did that right off the bat, which like I say, good on her. And then Sargon, he had to keep working for another five years. But you know what? I think he's he's coasting on his ass now too. And so I mean, I don't know. This is this, you know, this is a decade kind of condensed in that story. But so Sargon of Akkad, he went from an atheist, and back then I didn't really enjoy him, but I was aware of him because I was watching atheism stuff. And then he became an anti-feminist, which again I didn't really watch him, but that was fine. And then there was a period about three years ago, about three and a half to three years ago, where he ran for office in the United Kingdom. Yeah, he's British. I don't know if I said that. And that was the only time I became a big fan of him. But he would just, he was running for, I don't know, European Union MP. It doesn't matter. But he was like traveling the country doing anti-woke uh, speeches, which are pretty fun. The only time I ever got into the guy. Like I was watching every speech. He, you know, it's like, he's going to be in Bristol tomorrow and give a speech to the, you know, the old ladies union. I'm like, I'm watching that stuff on YouTube. And then he lost, and that was the end of me watching him. But, like I, okay, to quickly get to the end point here that made me want to talk about this, is that he got kicked off of all sorts of, I don't know, he got, you know, his YouTube channel got deleted. He got kicked off it for being racist against women or something. And then he started another channel, which didn't get kicked off of YouTube, so he's still on there, I believe. And so he's been he's been kicked off of everything, and he's come back in some way, shape, or form from everything. And the answer is he created something called the Lotus Eaters podcast, which is on YouTube also. And I think this is kind of how he makes his money, which is that he hired hired I guess he hired people to do the podcast, so he didn't have to do it. Like you know maybe once a week he comes on and does an episode, and then the other four days of the week. These people you hired do the podcast. And so that's how it kind of keeps him going. People are still willing to give him money because he's kind of the king of the Lotus Eaters podcast, which it's not that good a podcast. I'm not telling you to go listen to it. I think I only talked I only ever talked about them twice, which is right now. And then they were the ones who told me about how black people enslaved other black people in Benin which relates to the Woman King movie that just came out. But anyways, I, I, you know, about a year and a half ago I talked about that. But that gives you an idea of what they might talk about. You know, oh, here's the real history. Black people enslaved other black people. But so while Sargon of Akkad can sit back and just rake in the money from the internet, there's some guy, boy, I don't even know his name. There's some guy, and he, you know, he's on the, he's on the Lotus Eaters podcast every day. You know, that's his job. He's not as famous. You know, if you're not as famous, sometimes you got to, well, everyone has to work. You have to work until you make it. And so it makes sense. I mean, I never thought about it. But anyways, it turns out that guy um, has his own YouTube channel, which I was unaware of. I mean, who cares? But YouTube suggested it to me. That's why I cared. And so the other day, he went to Afghanistan. And I like travel videos where people go to other countries. And I think it's an hour-long video. I only, I only watched like 15 minutes of it so far. But I'm just going to tell you a couple of interesting things about Afghanistan. Hopefully you heard about how America was fighting a war over there against the Taliban for 20 years. 
But first off, there's a bunch of wild dogs or whatever, and they're haram. So um, I think haram is a Muslim word, and it means um, the Quran, which is their Bible, says that thing is bad. And so dogs are haram, and there's a lot of dogs. There's just a lot of dogs around Af Afghanistan, but it's not like people are like, oh, that's my pet, and I love my pet, and I'm going to hug my pet. Just a bunch of dogs that people... They don't, uh, but they don't kill them either. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the story on that is. It's interesting. You might think they would just go kill all the dogs. They don't kill the dogs, but they don't treat them like beloved pets. So that's Afghanistan. And this guy, he's a, you know, he's a white man from the United Kingdom. And so, you know, when he flies in there, he gets a hotel room, and like the hotel room is awesome. Like the the room service, the price of everything, it's just. It's phenomenal. But then the whole hotel is in a compound with like 10 foot high um, concrete walls with, you know, razor wire on top of them. And this stuff is left over from when America was there. It's like, you know, I don't think in Afghanistan, they don't, they don't have the ability to be creating 10 foot concrete walls all over the place. But it, America did, and that's what they did. And so that's what you, that's what you got. And so it was kind of funny. He like went and looked at the stuff that they're throwing out. You know, like these hotels, these buildings, whatever. Basically, these buildings that were built by the Americans, by you, 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 dear listener, your tax dollar. Um, you know, used to, who knows? Maybe it was an embassy. Maybe it was a place for the military. Maybe it was whatever. But all the Americans are gone, so other people have taken it over, and like they make like a nice hotel out of it. And then they, like, throw everything away that they don't need. So, like, on the backs, I mean, I think their their garbage picked up, pickup is not good. Like, this stuff has been sitting there for months. But um, just, you know, on the back of the building, there's just everything they didn't need thrown into the street, I guess, for the next garbage pickup, if that ever comes. And it's, like, a lot of chairs. Like, you know, think of a conference where you put out tables and chairs for all the people to listen to the speaker it's like that kind of stuff. It's just all thrown. Well, it's not thrown, but it's just it's stacked in the street, ready to be thrown in the trash if the trash pickup ever comes. And what was kind of funny is they had all these binders that were thrown out because I talked about this once before. But like the American military was really into um, gender equality in Afghanistan, which didn't work out that well, and they were also into trans transgender equality. And so there was like these big piles of uh, you know, three ring binders talking about gender equality and transgender equality. Anyways, all that stuff was thrown next to the chairs and tables that were no longer needed. And then the guys, he's hanging, he's hanging out in this, um, you know, this what is now a hotel in Afghanistan. And he meets the people who are also there. And like, he meets a guy who's he was a formerly a British army person that for whatever reason is still living in Afghanistan in this what is now a hotel and that guy has a friend who's an Afghani who owns a car and is a kind of a taxi driver guy who speaks English and whatever they like go out and they hit the town they go look at stuff in Afghanistan and there's like women oh that's right the whole reason of this podcast is for the thing I'm going to say later but anyways they see they see Afghani women like walking down the street for instance they don't allow them. To, they don't allow them to drive, but they see they see them walking, and then they like go to an ice cream parlor. I don't think there's any alcohol, and uh, 
It's not ice cream, but I, I, I don't know. I need to look it up. But it's like, it's either sherbet or something. Sorbet. It's either sherbet or sorbet. They don't have ice cream, but they have something nice. And they, they go there, they get like just giant things of all these different flavors. And it's and it's wonderful. I mean, everywhere they go, the food is phenomenal. He's like, this is better than British food. And so the way I do my podcast is I'll have one idea, one thought. And then it takes me 20 minutes to get to it. So here we go. Like they've done studies. And I think you like you, you flash a woman's picture in front of a man on a screen, computer screen. And I think men can tell if a woman is attractive in, I think it's a half a second. I mean, like, boop, boop. That's how, that's how, long, that's how long a man needs to see a picture to decide, oh, too old, too fat, or super hot. And, you know, and I can say that is true. That is true for me. Maybe women are the exact same. They can tell if a man is attractive in a half a second. But it's just, it's, it's, it's something about the human brain. The human brain can categorize attractive or not attractive like bam, bam, next. And so I'm watching all these Afghan women in burqas while they're driving down the street. And they're walking because they can't drive. I should say a burqa, right? This covers you from head to toe. Maybe your eyes are exposed, a girl. Maybe her eyes can be seen, but anyways, nothing else can be seen. And it just made me think that I bet the men in Afghanistan get really good at still telling. Like, you know, sorry, you can't see any of the women. They're like, oh, I can see something. You know, they're, you know if they're looking for 36, 24, 36, or whatever... Or they're like, I can see her eyes. There's not a whole bunch of crow's feet. But basically, I'm sure the the men in Afghanistan or whatever, just pick any Muslim country where the women have to be completely covered up. I'm sure the men get like super attuned to telling if a woman is hot, even though she's completely covered up. And then the crazy thought I was having was like, you know, does that make them all butt men? Like, I think the face, I don't, I don't see how you could ever tell if it's a good face or not. I mean, other than, like, crow's feet around the eyes. So I wonder if Muslims are all, like, butt men, or or maybe you can tell the breast size. You know, maybe they're all breast men or something. I mean, what I like is the face, you know, to, to put it out there. A good face, that's number one. But uh, you take away the face, I mean, what do you get? You get a bunch of butt and breast men, I think. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.